Picture this for a moment. A young girl, a raging in age, you know, growing from 9 to 10 to 11 years old, 12 years old, living in this small farm town on the coast of Australia, carrying 15-foot metal pipe to help irrigate the sugarcane fields. And then cooling off by going running on the beach and jumping in the ocean. And then getting out of the water and coming over and practicing her, her shooting hoops in a grass field on a hoop that's, uh, that's nailed to a water tank. That's the head coach of the New York Liberty, Sandy Brondello. Young child growing up by a sugarcane farm and the coast of Australia in a little town where there were less than 100 people in her school. And now she is living in the big city, coaching a top-flight WNBA team after a career that has run the gamut from a whole entire professional 10-year career in Australia before being one of the pioneers of the WNBA, going on to be a head coach of the Phoenix Mercury, where she was a coach of the year and won a title in her first season. Continuing a streak this year of playoff appearances, now eight years in a row in her first year with the Liberty. And as we taped this, she was getting ready for a game three against Chicago in a series that's tied at one game apiece in a season where they weren't really even, I don't think, expected to be a playoff team. Had to get hot to get in. Sandy Brondello has had an amazing life, an amazing career. She's married to her assistant coach, and they have a long history going back years. Think about that and and all the things that are involved in that and what makes a great relationship. We've got it all on this podcast. How to rise from an improbable background to achieve your dreams, how to live your life the way you want to, how to have a great relationship. Blending a team as a coach with all these uh, varied backgrounds. There's so much to dive into with Sandy Brondello, and we do it next. This is the voice of the Nets. I'm Chris Carino. Great to have you with us. Please, again, I know uh, we've had great feedback on the podcast, but subscribe, give us a rating. Let me know on social media, on Twitter especially, at Chris Carino, two R's in Carino. Um, and uh, hope you enjoy the latest installment as we are in the thick of the summer. The cicadas are out. The grass is getting brown. Everything's getting a little worn out. We may be longing for the fall. We know the schedule's out for the Nets. Hope you've made a deep dive into that. And uh, when things start to clear up in Nets land and we have those chips falling where they may, We'll clean up all those chips and talk about it. But right now, it is late August. The WNBA playoffs, the Liberty, as we take this, facing a winner-go-home game three against Chicago. Enjoy our chat with Sandy Brondello, the head coach of Liberty, here on The Voice of the Nets. You know, you find yourself here in a game three against Chicago. The series may or may not have gone the way you thought. I mean, 
you know, you steal game one on the road. I'm sure you were happy about that result. And then, you know, game two gets away from you very quickly. This is why you coaches get the big bucks. How do you, what's your message to your team going into a game three, the way game two went in Chicago? Well, for me, it was, it was quite easy. Um, we're still alive and we got to keep believing, but we've got to execute way better than what we did. And, you know, game two, it, it, I don't know why. We just didn't come out with the urgency that um, you would expect in a, a game that we, you know, we're, we're already one up against the defending champions. And uh, credit to Chicago. They did what they needed to to win on their home court. But our goal was to go on there and steal a game and uh, bring it back to New York. And so mine is just we got to just make sure we bring the toughness and we bring the energy and we bring the togetherness because that's the way we're going to win. We, we're not going to win by being individuals and not being on the same page. Well, I know that's something you preached all season long with this team. Uh, maybe, do you feel like you guys were a little ahead of schedule this year? Oh, you know, not really. I mean, the goal was always to make the playoffs. I think probably ahead of schedule because of the injuries that we had to, to overcome yeah. um, all season long. It's, you know, I had a training camp with four players that were still in the team and um, hard to, when you're a new coach coming in with a new system and new players, um, just getting them all on the same page and developing the chemistry that you need to play at a really high level. And, um, but, you know, even during the season, even through some of the losses, I could, uh, you know, the coaching staff, we could see the development and the process that we'll make in the progress. Um, but, it, you know, you knew you just needed time. Um, but, you know, credit to the players. They hung in there. We, we found a way to, to, to win some really big games when we needed to. And I think August, we were controlling our own destiny and, and having to win some games and, and came down to that last game. And I think that was good preparation coming into the playoffs. And it, you know, it gave us a lot of confidence, to be quite honest. Um, there's still a lot of areas we need to be better at, but I think we're heading on the right track. You guys got hot, right, late. I mean, uh, there was that stretch. You won six out of eight uh, just to get to the playoffs. Is that the kind of confidence you talked about? Again, are you guys were, you want to go into the playoffs playing well, so you need, sometimes it's, it's beneficial to a team to have to get hot to try and make that one of those last spots. Yeah, no, so true. I mean, you want to you want to play well at the right uh, time of the year, and and I always say the championship teams, having been the players for so many years, is is, is obviously you need a talent um, that goes without saying. But it's staying. Which team is the most healthiest? Is playing their best basketball and has some luck. Really, that's what it comes down to. And and you know, we we competed really hard. We grew as a team. We we our scout execution was some of the best all season long. Um, you, you know, mental toughness, to quite honest, as well. And I think getting Benajia Laney back, um, you know, so she's an all-star from last year and integrating her back in. And, um, you know, we talk about talent and, and you need that to win. And, and just, you know, having her back on the floor, even though she may not be 100%, hadn't played basketball for a long time, gave us a confidence, too, that we could beat anyone. And we have beaten all the top teams except for Seattle. Um, but then we've lost to get some teams below us, you know, so we, we were a little bit inconsistent a lot through the year, but I think we had good form coming into, um, you know, August and then winning that last game and, and going into Chicago and stealing a game. And, you know, that was great. Disappointing second game, but we have a third game to come back and, and play in front of our home crowd. Yeah. And as you record this, you're getting ready for that game tomorrow night. Uh, how long did you work in practice on showing Maureen Johannes how to throw that over the head, sideways, pass, back door for an open layup. Uh, that that kind of went viral in game one. Yeah, I mean, pretty special player there when she's, uh, you know, she's got that space. Her court vision is amazing. But this is, 
Maureen, this is something that she's done. I've seen it. You know, yeah. she's done it before over in Europe. Um, you know, I've coached against her a fair bit. She's done a, a lot of these crazy passes. But they're great passes. It's just kind of skills uh, set that she has. In the last game, it, it wasn't so easy for her. But, um, you know, hoping tomorrow night will be a, it will be a great game and, and she can create some easy baskets for us. But also staying aggressive because she is one of the players that we need to, you know, to get some shots up and, and hopefully put the ball in the basket. Before we get into a little bit of your story, and you met, you know, you touch on it there when you when you talk about Marine and knowing her uh, in the international game. I think that's something that is so unique to the women's game that players have such international experience because you guys play all over the world in some of the greatest leagues. Um, but before I get to that, though, you, you mentioned uh, working through injuries and and trying to become a great player, and you have a great player in Sabrina Unescu who. You know, when she was drafted, even when she was playing at Oregon, I think everyone thought, here's the next transformative player. I mean, here's the next great player. And she showed it as soon as she came into the league, but then she had the injuries that hit her. Um, And this year, I mean, she's putting up numbers that no one's ever done before in the WNBA. Uh, I think she's the first to score over 500 points, 200 assists, 200 rebounds. Um, In game one, I mean, 22 points, seven rebounds, six assists. Uh, could you speak to the growth of Sabrina this season and, 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 and how she's had to overcome what she has to, to get to this point where she's living up to expectations? Yeah, look, uh, number one, it's great. Uh, I really enjoy coaching Sabrina because she wants to be great and knows that, you know, she, she puts the hard work in to be great. Um, you know, as any kind of new player coming in and coaching and just trying to work out what best for them, what position you need to put them in. But her mindset is as, you know, as good as the best players that I've coached. And Diana Trussi comes to mind, just her, her killer instinct, you know, loves the big moment. Um, but I think Sabrina's development came from being healthy. And, and I think once she felt healthy as, you know, I think in the system, I knew that should fit into that really easily. And then players having the chemistry with her players and her shot-making ability, but also her passing and her rebound. We wouldn't be here without her, uh, with the kind of season that she had. But, you know, credit to her. She's really mentally tough and players, teams are throwing so many different coverages at her. Um, she responds so well and obviously her teammates help her around it. But, um, you know, just having the health. And I think for her, the sky's the limit, to be quite honest. I think in the off-season, she can be healthy and have a really good off-season to continue to improve on some other areas that she could get better at. Um, but, yeah, she's been great for us and we'll certainly need uh, her at showing everything that she can tomorrow to get a win against Chicago. You, you mentioned Diana Tarazi, and we see that, you know, Sue Bird is is retiring and and there's a, there's a, there's this um, – that, that that kind of generation is starting to get older now and move on. It, it's – does Sabrina have the makeup to kind of take over that mantle, especially with American women? Yeah, without a doubt. Look, I, I think she's proven herself here, just making the all-star game. I think that gave her a lot of confidence too. It's like, hey, I do belong here. And I think her her playing, the what she's done, you, you talked about the, what she's achieved this year with her scoring, rebounding and assists. Um, you know, it's unheard of of such. This is a third-year player, really a second-year player with yeah. the first year, you know, really with her injury, really didn't get to play. But her getting used to, you know, what the players playing against these best players and knowing how, you know, how she can score or, or what she needs to do to, to be successful. And like I said, she's a student of the game. She studies video. It's not just what she does on the court. But I do think, you know, she's, she's a star um, already. 
Um, she's an all-star already and, and she's just going to get better and better and, and, you know, she'll be up. You know, it's, they'll be talking, you know, saying her name and, and the same likes as Diana and Sue Bird. And, and it happened, you know, the international stage is so important for the women's game, I know. And, you know, you came from Australia. I do detect an accent. I think you are Australian. Um, but, you know, you, you, you played for your country. You coach now the Australian national team. Is there, I, I, you're playing, you know, great leagues, the WNBA, other international leagues. But that stage, the Olympic stage, when it comes to international stage, when it comes to uh, the women's game, it, is there a is there a much more pressure that comes with that? Like if you can succeed in that stage and you can do that, does does WNBA playoffs kind of take a backseat to that um, kind of pressure? Yeah, look, I think there's pressure everywhere, but I, I suppose I've been doing this for such a long time that it's more about my preparation and then just being, um, you know, uh, poised once I get into the game, whether it was as a player or as a coach now. And, um, you know, number one, we want to win. Um, but, you know, I just make sure that I stay level-headed, um, you know, to make sure I'm giving the confidence and the right instructions for the players because I don't want them to get anxious if I'm feeling anxious. And um, But, yeah, we want to win. Um, you know, obviously in an Olympic Games as, as a coach, it was quite – quite uh, that is a little bit quite stressful. And uh, later in September we have the World Cup in Sydney. So we get a, we get a home World Cup, um, which, is, which is fantastic to kind of continue to promote the game back home. And, yeah. um, but for me, I'm pretty poised and level-headed and, and, you know, it's nice when you win. That certainly helps. But uh, I don't feel any, any added pressure. It's more I prepare um, as well as I can and, and then, you know, hopefully we can have a great game. Yeah, I, I, and I segue into that a little bit, you know, meaning Sabrina being part of the international game at some point, she'll play on the on the biggest stage. And it's a great segue into what you've gone through. And you mentioned your poise. I mean, you were on the Australian national team when you were 18 years old, correct? Yeah, that was right. Uh, so where did that, where do you feel that that poise came? Was it being involved in such a young age? Is that where um, it, you identified that? And is that where that kind of grew? Because if you're playing in those with women in the biggest stage at 18 years old, I would imagine that it just sort of, you know, you had something, you had that poise from an early age. Yeah, but I, I really do think that comes with experience as well. I mean, you know, obviously the more you play, the the more, um, you know, poise you get, but you kind of understand, you learn the game a little bit more. And, you know, I was talented. The thing in Australia and in the rest of the world, um, we play club basketball, so we're competing against the very best athletes from a very young age. Um, and that's how I made the Australian team. I was competing against, you know, I mean, my all my teammates were older than me, obviously. I was 18. Um, but, you know, just it gave me experience how to be professional against the players that I had looked up to and admired and the role models that I had. Um, but it gave me, you know, I wanted to work hard. I had these goals. I wanted to play for Australia. And um, that was at, from a young age. That was what I set out to do. And, and I was lucky enough to play in four Olympic Games and, you know, um, I was way more experienced at the end and poised at the end of my career than I was in the beginning. But as 18, I think you have to, in those moments, um, the higher the pressure, you, you, you kind of learn it, but you have so many different players around you and, and it's all about the preparation and being confident in the preparation that you do. And I think that helped me. And whereas Sabrina, I think she's been in the spotlight for so long, being in Oregon, I think that's helped her. Yeah. I think as young players, it's really is their mental toughness and Sabrina already has that. I think that's, you know, that's, you know, the special players when at a young age that they can handle any kind of pressure. Um, and that's why I say Sabrina is a little bit different in some of the younger players because she has that. Um, but now I think they're developing 
you know, the talent level is just amazing, to be quite honest. I mean, the future of this league and international basketball is in good hands uh, with the talent that we have. So do you grew up, was it Queensland, Australia? Yeah, I grew up on a sugarcane farm, to be quite honest. I'm a real country oh. girl, so a bit of I was going to say, can you compare Queensland to, to some place in the United States, maybe? Oh, well, Florida. Queensland is a sunshine state, just like okay. Florida is a sunshine state. You know, we're really... Um, most of everyone's around the uh, on the beach, um, um, you know. But I grew up really, you know, obviously in a sugarcane farm, and but lived on the beach as a holiday home as well. And you know, there's only 50 kids that went to my primary school, so my elementary school. So it's really quite small. And you know, I have to pinch myself that now I'm living in you know one of the biggest cities in the world. Wow, I, I can't imagine anything better for a kid to have sugarcane and a beach. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's a dream way to grow up. But I but I kind of I heard that. Your, did your dad put up a hoop in a, in a grass field? Yeah, just in our backyard, to be quite honest. My mother couldn't drive, believe it or not, um, so I still can't drive. Um, but, you know, <laughs> my dad, it gets busy in the crushing season, we say, when they have to cut the cane and uh, process that. But so we put uh, – that we have a water tank in the backyard. That was where we got our fresh water from, and he just put – he just made it with some – you know, pieces of wood and, and painted it white and put this, you know, we bought a hoop and it was grass. He wasn't going to put any cement down there. So that's where I just practiced my craft. And if anyone talks about, you know, what what's, was my biggest strength was my jump shooting and why? Because I had a grass court and I only could really only bounce the ball one time before I'd probably lose it on the rocks. <laughs> I picture, because I picture uh, Larry Bird in French Lick, Indiana, you know, playing on the dirt yeah. or, uh, or uh, you know, Hoosiers, Jimmy and Hickory, you know, in the backyard, same kind of thing, balls bouncing all over the place. Uh, yeah. You know, we hear grass courts at Wimbledon, but not at Wimbledon, <laughs> but not necessarily basketball. So how do you, what, what motivated, like you're a nine-year-old kid on a sugarcane farm with a hoop, you know, you, what motive, what asked you to put your dad, to make your dad put a hoop up? You know, what was your motivation as a young girl? Well, from a young age, I was in track and field and quite good at that. I traveled all around the state competing um, and all the areas that run at the sprinting and the long jump and high jump javelin. Um, I was an Australian champion at the age of 12 and long jump. So I was quite athletic. And I think it really, it's not that I put a lot of time and effort into to that. Um, it was that I actually worked on the farm with my dad when I wanted to, not because I had to, but when I wanted to. But, you know, you water the the drills with that's between the cane. Uh, yeah, you know, obviously you have to water them to help them grow and you would have to move the pipes. So you'd be in up to carrying this uh, 10 metre or 15 foot pipe on your shoulder and you're in mud and going, taking it to about another 10 drills away. I think that just made me really strong from such a young age and, and that helped my sprinting and my athletic ability. Um, but then my sister played, started playing basketball and, and from the day I, I started with this country team, I just fell in love with the game and, and I you know, I suppose I advanced pretty quick in playing for my city and then for the state and then made the first Australian team at the age of 16 in the the, Australian, uh, the World Cup, the uh, junior, and then moved away from home to go to the Australian Institute of Sport where all the top athletes uh, get together and become semi-professional um, and as well as going to university and made the Australian team one year later. So, um, but then just, you know, worked really, really hard for the next 18 years and, and playing, trying to be the best player I could be and, and then retiring and, and getting into coaching. It's uh, an amazing story. I, I picture the movie right now and the montage of you as a, a little 12-year-old girl carrying, you know, 
pipe 15 feet long to try and water the sugar cane before you go take some shots on your your hoop in a grass field. And now you're, you know, you're 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 an all time player internationally, the WNBA, a coach. Uh, quite a journey, quite a journey. When, when, when you're young, though, as a young girl, we talk about, you know, your motivation, seeing your sister and the fact that you were athletic. Was there anything on a professional level? Did you did you watch the game? Uh, did the NBA have an impact in Australia? Was there any of that in your upbringing? No, unfortunately not, because wow. we only had two channels. Um, <laughs> growing up. Oh my and, God. There are young people all over the world right yeah. now that are just going, how, how could that yeah. happen? Yeah. Because, you know, we just didn't have it on, on TV. So I grew up just watching the, um, the older players that I used to play with. So I was 13 years of age and, and playing, um, in the top level basketball in my home city. And I, I really learned from them. And then I'd get to watch TV when the Olympics were on, I would get to watch, um, you know, basketball and, and, I can remember telling, you know, my my parents, I think about the age of 14 or 15, I said, I'm going to play for Australia. That's my goal. I'm going to play for Australia one day. And a lot of people didn't think that was possible purely because where I was from, mm. um, you know, not, you know, I had some good coaches, but it's still, it was it was a country area and I didn't have all the, the same um, access to training and everything like that, like uh, the city folk had. And, um, but yeah, I was very uh, determined and, and dedicated and, um and it's not that I was trying to prove anyone wrong, but I'm glad, uh, you know, and I always say I'm a great story because you, you have to dare to dream because that's what I did. And, and I, I achieved way more than I thought was possible. Um, at that stage, I didn't even know it was professional basketball player. What was that? But when wow. I got, you know, to get paid to do something that I love, it was it was just a dream come true. And and I've had an amazing, um, you know, uh, career so far. And I, I really, really love being a coach. And I love being a coach with the New York Liberty. It, it, that basketball was really your 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 ticket. I mean, it was the thing that that brought the world to a to a young girl from Queensland, Australia. I mean, when you think about it that way. Um, your life would have been extremely different, probably, if if it hadn't been for basketball. Do you think about that at all? <laughs> yeah, I'd probably have about four kids, and I would have got married at a young age. That's what you do in the country. Um, but look, I I wanted to go and, and live my dream, and you know, it's leaving home at the age of seventeen, and I mean, that's what most kids do. And I don't, I love going home. It's still home. It's still my happy place. It's my haven to get back there. But um, you know, I had big goals in in, in mind, and I chased those uh, those those goals and, and worked extremely hard. And and I used to say, you know, you, you've got to believe in yourself, but you've got to put the work ethic, uh, work in to, yeah. and hopefully you have some luck along the way, and you get to 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 live out the dream. And and I'm obviously I'm you know I certainly did that and continue to do that to this day. What was it like when you first went to one of the big cities to spend time to to live to play? Um, did you know right away that this is wow this is this is what i really want or were you homesick i mean i would imagine that was a a pivotal point in your life when you first kind of leave home and and from such a small place to go to a big city yeah it was and i was a bit of a mama's girl to be quite honest um and she traveled with me everywhere and you know obviously i wouldn't probably be be here without my mum and dad's support and and just the financial in the beginning um, to allow me to do this. But I got offered to go to the Australian Institute of Sport. I told you about that's a big sports institute in Australia. It's called, the, um, you know, sport, uh, I can't even know what it's called now, AIS. <laughs> um, but it's 
you know, the first year I was offered, it was um, one year before and I was going to go at six, I was 16, I was entering into year 12, which meant I had to go to school in a different, you know, at where in Canberra, where the Institute was based. And before five minutes, five minutes before I decided, no, I can't leave. <laughs> I'm not oh. ready. Um, but that following year, I made the Australian junior team and I had to travel to Melbourne, which is a really big city and train uh, a few weekends here and there. And I got to know some other, um, you know, players that were going at the same time. And when once I made that move, it was, it was easy transition because I was very, very shy growing up, as you can imagine, from a very small country town. And, um, but that made it easier for me. And, you know, just going to work there, I had really good coaches, but I had one coach there as, uh, you know, I was a shooter. That's what I could do. And he wanted me to be a point guard. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to be dribbling the ball. Um, but he just worked with me every day for three months. And, you know, he just has mentored me um, till this very day. And, and, and just having someone that can actually believe in you probably more than what you believe in yourself there. He, he saw a bright future for me and, um, and he was right because I got to, to live all of my dreams. Who was that, Sandy? Adrian Hurley. He used to be the, uh, the head of the AIS. He coached the women's team. But at the same time, he was also the, the Australian coach of our men's team. So, um, yeah, a very respected coach and, you know, forever thankful. And I think that's why I say it's always important to have mentors in your life because um, you, you need those positive people. Um, and that certainly helped me. Is he still somebody you consult with as a, as a coach? Not as much now, but yeah. I do look forward to seeing him soon in the World Cup. But, you know, he would always email me out of the blue here and there and just offer the support. And, and you know, it's been, you know, I, I've, like I said, forever grateful for what uh, the belief he showed in me. Maybe it's something with the name Hurley. There's some great coaches <laughs> yeah, Hurley yeah. in this country as well. Um, yeah. So you, now you're, you're in Australia, you're playing the national team. Um, and you played at the Australian League. How how strong a league was that compared to some of the other leagues around the country? Was that a, a really good proving ground for you? you? You ended up being an MVP. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Look, all of our uh, players that represented the Opals, it's the Australian team, um, all played in Australia. It was a very competitive league. We only had about six to seven teams, but it was really, really competitive. Um, and, you know, just every weekend, we're just playing games. Um I think that was great preparation for me because I played from the age of 17 and I played 10 years in that league there. And, you know, and then I started going over to Europe. I just loved to play. Um, I played all year round for many, many, many years. And, but I loved it. And like I said, it was, I used to go over there and I was just totally committed just to getting better and better every year. And, and not that to say that the early, when I was playing, the money was that big. You know, it's gotten bigger and bigger over the years. But I, I just thought, man, I'm living the dream. How cool is this? I went <laughs> to, to Germany um, and played 10 years for the same team and was in the WNBA and uh, just loved competing. Like, you know, just challenging myself against the best players. And, um, yeah, and then the age of 36, it was time to hang it up because uh, my body was breaking down. I, I suppose a little bit of overtraining along the way didn't help. <laughs> yeah, and and and, and I, I know a lot of the, the women at a high level have to play in, you know, one country for half the year, another country. for They don't get that off-season like some other sports do to kind of heal, right? You were playing pretty much yep. all year long. Yeah. You mentioned Germany. You went over to Germany. Is that where you met your husband, Olaf yeah. Lang? Yeah, I was there for three years and he came as an assistant coach and, you know, I know. Um, but, uh, you know, when love hits, it hits. It wasn't the first year, it was the second year and, and we've been together ever since. Which it leads me to a whole other topic <laughs> of he's on your staff now with the Liberty. 
Uh, last year, he was on the staff of Chicago, which um, you played in the finals when you were with the Phoenix Mercury. In fact, Sandy Brondello has coached now. Uh, you had seven consecutive years in the playoffs with the with the Mercury, and then you continued that streak here with the Liberty. Uh, but you brought you brought your husband over to your staff. I would imagine. Listen, there's a whole lot of things we could talk about when it comes to a relationship where you're working with your husband. Um, I would. It's rare. Uh, I don't know of any other situations where um, coaches are married at a, at a high level. Coaches in sports. It's got to be tough because I know just having one spouse be a coach. It's time consuming. Often you have to follow the jobs. You have to go into different cities. Maybe you're separated at a time, but. You know, he was coaching in Chicago. You were coaching in Phoenix. Um, it, it was the the coming together with the Liberty. Some may think that's an awkward thing to work with your husband, but it probably at least it enabled you to be in the same city. Could could you could you speak to to that relationship and and how that's worked out for you being together like that? Yeah, look, it really has worked out perfectly for us. Um, you know, Olaf, like I said, he came to the team in Germany. He, as a coach, he's had uh, so much experience, and he really was my, you know, my mentor in the coaching world when I was first getting into it. Because you know, he's great at what he's done. We've worked um, over in Russia. We worked in San Antonio. We were both there as assistant yeah. coaches for many years, and. Um, you know, we just work really well together. We're different. Uh, if people, you ask them, people, we are totally different. Our personalities are different. Um, you know, we see things differently, but our philosophy is quite similar. And, you know, he challenges me and I challenge him. And, and I think we just have this great mutual respect and it keeps us together. And, um, you know, I think that's, you know, it, it's amazing that we were able to do this in New York. I mean, I really have a lot of, I have a great coaching staff and he's one of them. And, um, knows my system extremely well, and that certainly helps when you're trying to implement it in a new team. Um, but you know, our journey's been really unique. I mean, we—he uh, was the head coach over in Russia. We coached uh, the really big team there, Ogemka. Uh, I was there for five years. He did that for six years. I was his assistant coach, and then the Australian team. He was my assistant coach. Um, obviously, we've coached opposite each other, and last year in Chicago, and we do have two children as well, and. Um, I just think it makes it a little easier, even though we're separated from our children now to end the season because they're back in school in Phoenix. Um, it's just nice to be together in, in the war room together and, and, and trying to win a, you know, bring a championship to New York. So, um, like I said, people, I suppose people on the outside, if, if you saw us, you probably wouldn't even think that we're married because we're <laughs> all about being professional and, and we're about the love of our job and because we do put a lot of time and effort to be the best that we could be both in our roles. And But that or I think that's, I suppose, why we're still married um, because we have the similar passion. Yeah, I mean, and listen, any, any great point, I, I, I work with... Uh, you know, on the Nets radio broadcast, I'm, I'm with Tim Capstro. We've been together for for 21 years, and people always talk about those partnerships that are they're almost like a marriage. You know, you you balance each other. Yes, you are different, um, but in in any good partnership, it's like any good relationship. And I would imagine with the things that make you compatible as a husband and wife make you compatible as a a coach and an assistant coach. And in many ways, he could probably be a little more frank with you and, and open with you than maybe the typical coach assistant coach relationship. Yeah, no, without a doubt, you know, and, and it goes vice versa. But look, I thought, I might, like I said, I brought my staff in and, you know, my personality, if you get to know it, I'm not, 
you know, I don't think I know everything, but I, I, I think I'm a pretty good leader and, and I, but I embrace and, and I give a voice to all of my staff. I think that's important. Um, but, you know, Olaf, he does balance me out because he knows me. You know, yeah. he knows, you know, when when I you need to just probably walk away if I'm, um, I'm not real happy with, with certain situations. But, um, and that's what you need. That's a partnership. And I think the more time you spend with someone, you get to know someone really well. And that's, um, you know, it's just complimenting each other. And he does that for me. And, and that's, that's terrific that it works out. And living in New York, you've enjoyed that experience? Yeah, no, we have. Really love it. Our kids were here for their summer break. And um, not that we actually got to see New York because we just love what we do. People yeah. go, what have you seen? I said, I've walked to Barclays. I've walked back and I've been traveling. And um, But that's, you know, for us, that's a perfect, perfect summer because we're, you know, we love coaching and we both, you know, we're, we're committed into to being the best coach that we could be. And we put a lot of hard work in preparing this team. But I do like New York. I do like Brooklyn. Not sure about the Manhattan part. Um, it's probably too crazy for me, but I really do like Brooklyn. I love this organization's fantastic. The support we have from Joe and Clara, and but you know, and now we get building b- bigger home base. I think that's exciting for what uh, you know what we want to do in the future. And um, but it starts with tomorrow night, and hopefully we can uh, you know win uh, win a game on our home court. You know, you mentioned though about uh, working with your husband, and then you're with your husband. Like, are there things that you is it all about basketball all the time? I would think that's the one thing that would be hard because when you, it's, it's something that's all consuming, like being a basketball coach. Sometimes if you came home to your spouse, it would be, well, at least I get sort of a break from it. You know, we don't have to talk about it. Are there things you enjoy doing? Do you try and purposely say, hey, let's kind of get our mind away from this, do something else? <laughs> Not really. Do you know no. our season? It's kind of crazy. But yeah. to be quite honest, like, you know, I mean, we've been married for such a long time that we're very co-independent. We don't need to be in each other's space the whole time. We watch totally different TV shows, so we'll probably be in separate <laughs> rooms doing that. Um, but, you know, we have just mutual respect. It's like, you know, we, uh, we after, well, how many years we've been together? 26 years now. So that's a long time. So, yeah. um, but like I said, we, we, we just want to be the best we can. We'll spend a little bit more time in the off-season, um, enjoying hiking together uh, where we live in Phoenix, obviously, and and just spending time. We coach a youth team there and spending time with our children. Really, that's that's what kind of drives us in the off-season. But then also working on our craft as well, and we do that together. You get out to Sedona and climb up there? No, we actually live right on a mountain. Um, oh, okay. Um, Scores Peak, so I can just walk around the corner like a few feet and I'm, I'm walking up the mountain and it's beautiful. It's really... You know, it's relaxing for us because we put so much time and effort during the season, which we love. But, you know, sometimes it's just, okay, let's breathe and get ready for the next season. But, um, you know, we love the life that we live at the moment and we love the opportunity that we get to, to coach together because it does keep our family together. It was, you know, it can be hard when last year, I mean, I was taking care of the kids in Phoenix and traveling and, and, and trying to work all that out. And he's very busy in his season in Chicago. And so this year, at least we're together. You did mention, though, that you may watch things that isn't film. So I, I'm curious to know what Sandy Brondello watches to relax or get your mind off uh, basketball. What would it be? I'm always looking for suggestions. Yeah, look, to- I, I love, I really do like watching TV shows. It kind of, um, you know, because you put so much work into something that I need to let go at yeah. times. And so TV shows is what I get into and, and I try and watch that after work. I, I'll Before I go to bed, I'm watching TV shows. At the moment, I'm watching The Morning Show. 
So Very good. Um, yeah, really enjoying that. But I've, you know, I always ask the players for suggestions because especially when you're, I was living overseas in Russia, it's like, or, you know, there's a lot of spare time. I mean, sure. uh, it's cold, it was cold Long over flight. there too. So, but yeah, I've got a lot of, you know, I've, I've watched so many. I can't even remember what the one before the morning show that I watched. <laughs> you sound like my wife. She'll, she'll be like, wait, didn't this happen? No, honey, that's the other show. <laughs> you're mixing the shows right now. Exactly. Trying to figure it out. And you've got your, your team is so diverse, you know, internationally, yeah. culturally, I would imagine you get, it runs the gambit of things if you ask for a TV show suggestion. Uh, yeah, no, it usually does, but um, you'll get a variety. I'm not like, Olaf loves the old century shows and, and, and movies. I don't like that. I'm, I'm more in this day and age here. So that's why we're, in, we're watching different things. Um, but yeah, like I love that, like, you know, it, WNBA is a really, there's so many players from so many different um, countries. And I think that's really unique. And, you know, we have a French, we have Australians, we have Chinese, I think, yeah. with Americans. And it's great because, you know, in the end, it's basketball. It's something that we love and they all come together. It's it's really unique just watching them grow as a, as a family because that's really what we are for six months of the year. The biggest decision you might have to make is what music to play in the locker room with all that. Oh. <laughs> well, I leave that to the girls because oh, some of their music, I, I've never heard of it, to be quite honest. Um, but, uh, but it's good. You know, you got to, they have to prepare whatever way that gets them going. So hopefully we got some really good music tomorrow because what we played in the last game, that wasn't really on Didn't top. work. No, that, whatever that, that was, throw that, throw that out. <laughs> um, you know, do you look at the WNBA and we talk about growing the game. It's 25 years now. You were part of the, I know you came over sort of later in your career. Um, I played in the first WNBA All-Star game, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah no, so, yeah. That yeah that's pretty special. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you think about, can, can you, maybe as we, as we kind of wrap up, sort of reflect on, on where the WNBA has, has gone in the last 24 years, how it's grown and, and what do you want to see in terms of, of continued growth for this league? Well, I mean, you know, I, I think we're still, we're still a young league when you compare us to the NBA. And for me, I'd like to continue the growth that the NBA did over the years. You know, they're 75 years plus. We're still like 26, you know, and growing. Um, but I think you see every year that the league gets better and better. I think the players get better and better. I think, um, you know, we're getting more eyes on us and the social media certainly helps us. We're getting more, uh, you know, the TV. For us, it's more to be on, on mainstream TV every single every single day, just like the NBA. I think that's important for us to get exposure. Um, and then, you know, obviously having success, that certainly helps. But I think we've got amazing players, which uh, the whole of the world gets to know because there are uh, great stories that we have. And it's not just being a basketball player. They're more than that. They're, you know, obviously we, we, you've seen all the social justice platforms that they're using. They have strong voices. They're, you know, they're, they're trying to improve and help everyone out there. So, um, you know, so I think the goal for us is to continue rising. Hopefully the salaries will increase. Um, you know, our, our league, we play more games. We play an extended season and continue to grow that, uh, you know, the players get more money, but also the organizations get to earn more money too. And, um, and that comes or really comes with TV first and we're on the right track, but we still, the sky's the limit for us. Yeah. I mean, you think about the NBA, it was only about 40 years ago where the NBA finals were on tape delay on the network, you know, at 1130 at night. And then, yeah. um, 
Magic Johnson, Larry Bird kind of came in and transformed the league. And then you had Michael Jordan. And maybe that is still, we don't know. There's some unforeseen thing in the WNBA that maybe could be a tipping point to get to some of the areas you're talking about. Yeah, we hope so. Like, you know, you have to dare to dream. And we think we have the product. We think we have the players. Um, and, you know, we have the backing of the NBA. And, and then yeah. I think these organizations, we've got owners that are committed to excellence and we're being, the players are being treated well. Obviously there's areas we talk about, obviously flying chartered and hopefully that will happen in the new future as well. But it's making sure we have, you know, sustainable success and building it in the right way so that we can in 50 years have a 75, you know, we're celebrating that anniversary. Well, I know that, that Joe and Clara Wusai have been very supportive and have really committed a lot to to the Liberty, it's got to be rewarding. It's got to be a great place to coach and play uh, with the Liberty right now. Oh, it certainly is. Like I said, it, it was yeah, very, very grateful for the opportunity to be the head coach of the Liberty. And um, it is a great organization. And it always starts with the ownership. And I think Jaron Claro, one of the best owners in the league, um, it shows in our facilities that we have. Um, and But they want to continue to grow it. And, you know, our goal is to keep, is to fill out Barclays Arena. And hopefully that starts tonight. I think we'll have a great showing there. But in, in in years to come, we can have this sustainable success that we're in the playoffs every single year and we can win a championship. Um, you know, it'd be great to do that for Joe and Clara because they put so much uh, time and effort and money, obviously, into this organization. But, you know, we got some great players and we're going to continue to grow each and every year. Well, good luck in that opportunity here. I know you're probably sick of seeing Chicago. I mean, between the finals last year and now you're battling them here. But uh, really great talking to you. I, I'm, I, I hope you know people got a chance to know you here, and uh, it's a great opportunity for that. And 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 good luck in the uh, in the game that's going to be played game three here. And a lot of you may be listening after the fact, but um, I'm sure you're going to have success down the road. Thank you so much for joining us, Andy. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much to Sandy Brondello, the head coach of the Liberty. Had a great time chatting with her. I'm sure we'll do this in the future. More topics, more things that I'd love to discuss with her. Uh, a pioneer in the WNBA and one of the best coaches now with the Liberty. We want to thank our uh, producer, Tom Dowd, engineer, Isaac Lee. We'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks as we start to get to the end of the summer. And then things will start to Heat up quickly as training camp will be here before you know it. Again, subscribe, give us a rating, let me know what you think, spread the word on uh, on Twitter and Instagram, at Chris Carino is my tag there, way to get in touch with me. Thank you again for tuning in to The Voice of the Nets. <laughs>